8.08 on this Saturday morning and a mostly sunny skies outside the WSAU studios. It's going to be a uh, great one today. As I said in the weather, they don't make them much better than this in uh, the month of February. I'm Mike Leishner, joined in studio as always on this Saturday morning by Merle Kelch as we uh, make financial sense here on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. Merle has just set the tablet up, so that means we've got some serious business going on. you're ready. Yeah, it, it, we got some serious business going on. Uh, Tom Brady officially filing his retirement paperwork with the NFL. Now, I, I found out the, something over the uh, yet last night in reading this story. You don't actually have to file your retirement paperwork with the NFL unless you want the uh, NFLPA benefits, the pension, uh, those sort of things, the five years of, uh, of health care after your playing career is done. Uh, so... He uh he's actually done that, so I think we can believe him now when when we say that he's retired. But uh, my my uh the most interesting part of this, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to take his entire salary now as a cap hit for the upcoming year. What what's your take on that? No kidding, I'd like the salary, the thirty thirty <laughs> the thirty five million dollars or whatever it was. Well, I I mean I don't I don't have a lot of uh, knowledge in how they structure that stuff, but isn't that part of the thing of of uh, if you're gonna you know, credit over a certain period of time, you actually have to still do it, whether the employees there or not, mm-hmm. or the players there. Or well, not. well, the uh, the way that they set this up is, and, and they've doing this a lot lately. They'll give you a contract that's for say three years, right? But they may void the last two years of the contract, which then would allow them to spread out the salary cap hit over those three years, like a like a deferred payment, right? So uh, because Tom Brady is filing his paperwork, the Buccaneers can't do that. They have to take the entire thing for the upcoming season. So now they've got like 30-some million dollars in dead cap money that they can't spend. Wouldn't that then, uh, uh, in theory, make it so that they couldn't hire somebody who was of caliber because they they can't afford the cash? That is correct, yes. Yes, and they Packers only have one be. quarterback under contract for next year. I wonder year, if the right? Packers are going to be in that scenario when uh, Rodgers gets done with his dark hiatus <laughs> um, or whatever he's uh, calling this. Yes, you know? indeed. Yeah, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting because that uh, that contract is also uh, a not exactly team-friendly at this point if he's not going to be there. Of course, our, uh, our banter uh, like this is just the filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. I don't know about you, Merle. I guess I just brought that up because I figured – Finance is your thing, and and you might be interested to know just exactly how I'm these. Pretty good, but not with salary caps, at least as of yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, well, maybe maybe uh, Mark Murphy's gonna maybe he's listening and he can give us a call and uh, let us know just exactly how that uh, how that works out. Perfect. Why not? Love it. Indeed. So uh, what 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 do we got going on today in the uh, in the world of finance? What have your uh, what have your clients been uh, well, you been know, asking you this one week? One of the biggest things, at least not from a client standpoint, but this is an article that pops up, and uh, the winner of the article today is let's see if I can pronounce the name, Andrew Kishner. Hey, got that, that one. That one that seems easy, easy enough. Yeah. You know, I've been getting questions from clients coming in and saying, "Well, geez, you know, with the markets going on, uh, maybe I should just get out of the marketplace and go into CDs." And we'll hear that sort of stuff popping up, and so. Then we have to take a look at this, and I think it's probably not a bad idea to pop into one of the couple of things that they talk about inside of this article. One of them is, more importantly, even though we might get 4% or even maybe 4.5% on CD rates right now, um, uh, do we have any idea what inflation is? 
I do, but it's a test. Hey, I I bought a, a dozen eggs at Quick Trip yesterday yeah. for less than uh, four bucks. Well, that's not bad. So I was you happy. Bought the whole chicken for that. No kidding, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> so in here, if we take a look at what inflation is, um, in in uh, we chatted about this off air last weekend, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, we we look at CDs, and boy, if you go back in the eighties, I remember when you could buy a CD that was you know thirteen and fourteen percent interest. Uh, the sad part about that is inflation was higher back at that point in time, so you still didn't go anyplace. And a lot of people say, well, I love my CD because it's safe. Well, it's guaranteed. I'll give you that, but there's a different word you know, for safe if we look at it. And so if we take a look back in the 80s, you know, CD, 13 14% interest, and you can certainly get that. Um, and uh, a year ago, CDs were 1.5%. Mm-hmm. So that means your income went from 13% a year to 1% a year. I don't know if I necessarily consider that safe. Now, is it still guaranteed? Absolutely. FDIC, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to look at that. And then if we factor in inflation, even coming up today, even back then, if we take a look at inflation, you might have your CD that's 4.5% interest. And I tell you what, if, if you have money that you're stocking away in savings waiting for a rainy day fund, 45 is a whole heck of a lot better than 1 or 2 mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we look at inflation. Inflation is six and a half. So we look at that. Even taxes aside, um, we're still going behind. You take four and a half percent interest. You subtract a third from taxes. Let's give it a percent and a half. We're down to three. We put inflation to it. You're still going backwards by three and a half percent a year at this point in time. So, so we look at that and think to ourselves, well, geez, my investments are down whatever percentage is. You know, whether it's five, ten, fifteen percent from where it was a year ago. So to say, Lau, let's take that money out while it's down. And buy something we know we're not going to get have inflation and taxes. And we look at it and say, well, is that really a good idea? And so this article addresses those types of conversations and concepts. So the article name is, I have to cite this, uh, it is, come on, computer, uh, by Andrew Kistner on MarketWatch.com. Uh, cash is the cool kid on the block, as it says. High yield savings accounts, treasury bills, money market funds, and CDs. Here's where your cash can earn up to 4.5%. Again, it talks about the place you can earn the money, which is great. For that money, we're going to have sitting around. But for long-term investment, we're still going backwards because inflation is so high. Will inflation get better? We'll find out next couple of weeks. We've got a couple of CPIs and PPI reports coming out that will tell us that we're going with the inflationary standpoint. And uh, we'll see if CDs are a better deal than they were given inflation, whatever it might be. Yeah, so so again, what you're talking about here is more of the, the long-term view of this. So, you know, should I use CDs? to help a booster boost up my retirement account and things like that. Now, if, again, you want the CD just because it's a better rate than a savings account to kind of stash that uh, that mattress money, you might be doing all right there. It's so true, but long-term it's not, and that's the difficulty. You know, I, I call investing a three-legged stool, and I've used this for years and years and years, folks. And he's actually drawing the stool I, right I'm now. I'm doing it so I don't forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You know, there's, there's different things we look at this. Um, we can have, in our three-legged stool, you know, we can have on one part of the stool we have income, or we want to have an investment that generates income. Um, another one we want to have, uh, you know, another leg of the stool would be growth. We just want to have growth in our portfolio. And then the other one we have stability, which uh, CDs would certainly fall into that. And, and the thing about investing, folks, is if when you go all into one, you do it at the expense of the other two. No matter how you look at it, this is going to be the case. And so in here is a prime example. If we put all of our money inside of CDs at 4 and 5% interest, or 4 or 4.5% interest, which, by the way, I'm not upset with that interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But when we put all of our money inside of that and we take it out of the others, we're doing it at the expense of income, which we referenced already from the early 80s of 12 and 13% interest uh, to now uh, even 4%, considerably less. Then we do it also at the expense of growth because we're not in the marketplace. And so the whole idea of a portfolio, work with a financial professional, not only uh, us certainly, but with anybody. Work with them and say, here's what I want my money to do for me. Um, and they can design a portfolio that's going to have all those pieces to the pie. And so many people miss that, especially when you just get whipsawed and beat up in a year like last year where nothing works. You look at it and say, well, geez, how am I still going to do this? Had a conversation this past week, and we were talking about bonds because, uh, you know, folks, we've talked about bonds on here for a long time, and I've not been a, ban a fan of bonds for a while because the prices were so overpriced. They're not anymore. So we're actually going in and doing research and digging in and, and starting to work on building some bond portfolios, and I think there's some great buys that are out there. And they only seem to be getting better. Um, but that said, somebody said, well, what if I had my money inside of a bond portfolio? Would that have been bad? I said, well, your principal certainly would have taken a hit, but your income would have stayed the same. So if you have a, a bond, remember, folks, uh, um, I'm using a, a, a hundred. So I'm not saying a hundred thousand or a hundred million. But if we have a hundred and we're earning six percent interest, just because the hundred went from, you know, a hundred dollars of value and went down to 90, the interest is still the same. It's still the six percent if we have a six percent bond. It's still the 6%. That part doesn't change. Your income stays the same. The value just changed up and down. And so many people miss that with bonds, and bonds have been so out of favor in the last several years because of the price that a lot of people didn't buy into them. Um, but bonds are a really good place for us to earn a nice income, um, and uh, we don't have any stock market participation involved. Mm -hmm. Do the prices go up and down? Yes, but you still have the income. So that way you cover that income part of that three-legged stool we talked about, and it just keeps showing up and much better than you had in CD rates or money market accounts for a long time. He is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, the phone line is open at 715-845-2155. We'll hear more with Merle coming up next. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, Consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. 821 on this Saturday morning, AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We're working our way towards a daytime high of 41. Not bad at all. I may finally get um, the entirety of my driveway cleared off this afternoon. We'll see uh, how ambitious I, I decide to get after my uh, Saturday afternoon nap with uh, with the cat later today. Uh, Merle I Kelch. looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you have no idea. Merle Kelsha uh, making financial sense with us here. Uh, Merle, it was uh, it was National Pizza Day this week. I don't know if you were aware of that. Uh, well, I, that means I need to have a pizza this week. Indeed. Yeah, um, does that have so? How are the how are the uh, Pizza Huts, the Dominoes, the Papa Johns? How are those stocks looking after National National Pizza Day? <laughs> does that have any bearing on the uh, on the bottom line for those? Well, companies it, at all? It, it it might to a certain degree, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a one-day event like that probably is not going to uh, that, that, that's uh, do not, too much. That does uh, not the year make, is what you're yeah, saying? Exactly. Or the quarter make, I guess it would be in this yeah, case. Yeah, yeah now, now I, don't get me wrong. He is actually looking to see uh, what uh, what the uh, what the numbers look like on those. Well, not the pizza. <laughs> yeah, not the pizza, but um, 
I maybe how much it'll in be here. Later. I want to uh, pop into that kind of leads into a, a theme that's popped in. Sure. So um, we've seen here, and I have a, a, an article that pops up um, by Jeffrey Bartash. And uh, Jeffrey Bartash, we've used this thing a number of times, but he's talking about the jobs reports that were popping up. Of course, in January, we had 517,000 uh, new jobs that popped up, and we all say, well, um, isn't that great? Well, it, it's great, but it also has built into that some adjustments that happen as a result of mistakes that happened in other parts of the year. Um, there was an article that popped up um, not only with this, and they talked about the gains that happened um, in, in the layoffs that are coming up and this kind of stuff. And so we're seeing a lot of the same stuff that I've talked about, and I'm not saying that I'm smart about this, but we're seeing other people talking about the same thing, saying that the layoffs that we've been seeing inside of high tech um, was really more uh, a result of them staffing up so much when we were down inside of the pandemic. Um, and so with that, we had a, a number of articles that have been popping up, not only inside of this article with Jeffrey Bartash, but in others saying the big unemployment that we're seeing at this particular point in time um, is really nothing more than getting rid, of the, getting rid of the swelling during the pandemic with a lot of the tech companies. And, and so from that, they say, well, then where are the rest of the jobs going? And, and from that, um, there was a big uh, conversation that Brian Westbury from First Trust, um, uh, who's one of my favorite economists, um, he said a conversation this past week saying, you know, um, a lot of this job swelling that we're having, getting rid of it, of course, not only part of the pandemic, but because we don't know what's coming on and everything is so odd right now, um, you know, we've not been through a pandemic before. We've never swelled people up with cash before. Uh, we've never given people cash and said, don't work before. This is all new. And so just as I've said, a lot of the things we're having are reverberations coming through um, uh, as a result of the pandemic. Um, but he's also going through and saying, well, you know, maybe these jobs are part of it. Um, maybe the cash is part of it. Maybe the uh, unemployment is part of it. And it's all kind of really coming down to resetting after a pandemic. So he said, we don't know what's coming up into the future. He said, I don't know if we ever have a recession where you don't have any large job losses. He said, but, you know, maybe even that's different at this point in time. And so the biggest thing he had in his conversation, which I thought was pretty good, is he uh, basically brought it to the Super Bowl in the game. Mm -hmm. He said, we can all predict who's going to win the game, but until it plays out, we don't know who's going to be the winner at the, right. of the bottom line. And so his conversation was the same thing talking about jobs today. Um, you know, um, are jobs good or bad? Why is it that we're holding out of these uh, employees? And he thinks that corporate America, with the exception of the swelling that happened inside of the uh, tech sector, which, by the way, he gave great credit and said they – took care of us while we were at home and sent stuff and we had to do stuff online. Um, um, but, you know, with all the swelling of employees, why are employers still holding on to employees? We're not seeing any layoffs. And he thinks simply because they don't know, like us, we don't know what's going to happen in the next six months, 12 months, as we start to see inflation coming down and jobs slowing down. Because employees are so hard to get, they're holding on to good quality employees. Um, and maybe there's more people sweeping floors than actually doing production stuff. Who knows? So it was an interesting uh, article and conversation. And we're seeing it across the boards and articles all the time, people talking about the big jobs numbers. Well, the big jobs number wasn't quite what it was because it has some adjustment to it. Um, but at the same time, we're not seeing the mass layoffs that we do from a recessionary period of time. So do we have a normal recession? And the answer is nobody really knows. All we can do is look at the number. Corporate America is slowing down, but it's still making money, You know, still having a profit, but it's slowing down year over year, about 3% as far as, Expansion grows. We're slowing down a little bit. Um, but even at that, um, we're not in a recession yet. Will we get there? I don't know. Um, but we all just have to keep 
moving forward and saying, well, where are we going to be in three years or five years? Uh, myself, as far as many and many others think that from three or five years from now, I think we're considerably better than we are today. So from that, when we invest, we have to look ahead that far and saying, okay, next three or four months, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, maybe even six or a year. But three or five years, I predict that we're going to be much better than what we are now uh, from a, a financial standpoint as far as the markets go. And so we have to keep looking at it that way and moving forward into the future. From a retirement standpoint, I had a conversation with some people yesterday. I think we have to look at it and saying, well, if we're going to retire this year, we should make sure that we have some guarantees inside of that income stream that we have, whether we're using municipal bonds. And yes, I said municipal bonds because we can finally buy them again, um, at least at a good price. Mm -hmm. uh, municipal bonds, we have the ability of buying the right bonds. We can ensure that principal and interest. Um, perhaps using some annuities um, where we have the ability to put some guarantees to the income stream as well. Perhaps those are two things in our quiver, um, some arrows that we can use to help shore up that income. And one of the things I like to do with my clients is, um, and I've said it many times on here, if we need $3,000 a month and Social Security is 1500 I want to have some investments with my clients that guarantee the other 1500 so that that 3000 per month is guaranteed no matter what, that money's going to be there and everybody's going to be able to eat. Mm -hmm. In my place, I need you know an extra 500 I, hey, I would I, like just, I would just yeah. say an extra five hundred for sports tickets, but oh. you know that's just me. Uh, you know, and, and the other thing, the other kind of unknown that uh, that goes with this, and I think we did talk about this a little bit last week, uh, Merle. Talking, looking at uh, the the number of jobs created inside the economy, and uh, maybe we'll get to that a little later because uh, we do have a caller on the line right now at seven one five eight four five two one five five. So we hit that button. We hit that button. We move that up, and there we go. You're on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. Hi, good morning. Who are you talking to? Hi, my name's Jeff. I'm calling over here in Stevens Point. Hello, morning, gentlemen. Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. <laughs> I really need some professional insight. Um, well, let's get you to somebody. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my my mom passed away a couple of years ago, okay. and my uh, three siblings, including myself, um, of course, inherited our house. I have been living in the house, taking care of it for many years, and assisting my mom. Regardless, though, I had to pay my three siblings off, which I did so. Yeah. Uh, I used which which they were really kind and assisted me to get a home equity line on the home to then pay them off. A portion also I used was cash that I had been saving for many, 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 many years. That said, that home equity line, of course, has got 58000 left in it. In my investments, respectfully, I've got well in excess of $700,000. It's all, they, there's my 401k and my Roth IRAs. That said, Merle, is it should I use a portion of my Roth IRA to pay off that home equity line? Initially, when I got it, <laughs> rates were great at the beginning of last year, yeah, yeah. through about three percent. Now I'm sitting looking at seven percent. Is it at? I haven't been able to invest at all because I've been using so much of my income, paying about seven hundred bucks a month to pay that home equity line because of that huge hit on interest rates. What do you suggest that I do? Should I pay it off and then yeah, I can yeah. start reinvesting or what? Well, you know, Jeff, on here, uh, how old are you? 20 what? Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm 60. So I'm, I'm looking at 67 for retirement. Okay. So I'm six, six, a little over six years out. Um, you know, here, here's, here's kind of my thought. Um, um, 
first of all, not knowing everything about you, let me just share some of my impressions and maybe this will help. First of all, you're going to take any money out. The Roth IRA seems to be the better place because it's at least going to take, save you from the taxable hit of it. Right. So I'm a big fan that when you retire, whether it's at 62 or 65 or 67, that you have your real estate paid for. And the reason is you're still going to have a house payment once you retire. It's just called health insurance or health expenses. Um, uh, you know, so that's my opinion. And it's one of the things that we do with our clients is say, okay, let's, let's make sure we readjust your mortgages. Um, I'm sorry, your payments inside of your mortgage to make sure that that house is paid for at 62 or 63 or 65, whenever a person retires. So on that, um, I, I think it's a pretty good idea having it paid off one way or another. Now, the other part of this is not knowing the investments that are sitting inside of your Roth IRA. Um, I'm fairly certain that last year they did not beat 7%. No. Just pretty much guess. It yeah, may have had a pretty good January, made some of that back again, you know. Yeah. Um, but but in here, you know, when I look at this, um, I don't know what your income requirements are, but between 60 to 67, you have a fairly good idea of that 700000 um, growing to be significantly more um, and making back the 50000 for paying off the house, especially if you pay off the house and you have the expenses um, for the house now that you have the ability to put the money away inside of savings. Right. I would be apt to say to use a Roth IRA and pay off the house. Um, okay. Because in here, to net 7% that you're paying in the house, um, you're going to have to earn somewhere between 10 and 12% to pay the taxes on an IRA account to net the 7. Um, yeah. Roth IRA, you don't have to worry about the tax portion of it, but still, um, uh, you have to still make the 7%. Will we make that in the next 12 months? Uh, if I'm a betting man, I'd say probably. Um, over the next three or five years, yeah, I think we certainly would, um, but we'd still have the expense of it too. Not only that, but if interest rates go up higher, we might see that seven go to nine. Um, yes. So I think you've got a fairly good idea. You've got uh, significant assets there. You're not going to retire in a year. Um, I would I would consider that option. Okay, that's what I was kind of looking for, and I've been I was hoping I could just you know, but then the rates went up, you know, and I'm like going, oh my goodness, and thankfully. I've yeah. got a pretty good rate because I work for a bank who gives me a quarter percentage cut off the home equity line. But I've been sitting there looking at what the Fed's been doing and reading many articles like yourself about yeah. this. And, you know, I don't know what to think anymore. Did you see that article by that? Well, his name is Mohammed. He's at invest that economics uh, advisor or whatever. And he's like saying he thinks inflation is going to really spike. You know, I, I, I don't see anything that say inflation is going to spike. Um, yeah, most of the stuff that we're seeing right now is showing that inflation is going to continue to keep coming down. Just for an example, the, the M2 money supply, and, and M2 money supply, um, you know, my humor in that is just one more than M1, which is actually true. Uh, but the M2 money supply is a big tracker of what inflation does. Um, and the M2 money supply has contracted for 12 months in a row now, which hasn't happened in over 60 years. And it's because of things that are happening from an inflationary standpoint. I'm sorry from an interest rate standpoint, slowing down inflation. So when you're seeing the M2 money supply falling off like it is right now, um, you're just not going to see a spike of inflation. There's nothing there pointing out telling us it's going to happen. So so I would probably disagree with that portion of it. Now, interest rates going up are a different animal. Interest rates are going to continue to keep fighting inflation uh, to bring it down. And I think interest rates are probably going to go up another half a point yet before the Fed is done. That's going to have a direct correspondence to what your mortgage is. Yeah. Um, uh, especially on a secondary mortgage. So, you know, you might be better off uh, you know, doing considering pulling some money from the Roth, uh, moving it over to uh, um, uh, to pay that off. Right. 
because then my goal is to start pumping money back into the uh, Roth IRA again right after it's been paid off, which I would use those funds for. So thank you so much, Merle. You guys are always – I've been listening to you for a year, and it's so insightful. I used to listen to – Louis Rukeyser on uh, um, PBS. Mm-hmm. I miss him, and you really fit the fit the bill for me when listening to you. Thank you so much. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. You're putting me inside of some uh, pretty incredible uh, uh, crowd. So, thank you for that. I do appreciate you, it. You bet. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Again, seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number. We'll have time for more of your phone calls coming up after the news here on WSAU. 8.39 on your Saturday morning on our way to a daytime high of 41. Not bad at all for the middle of February as we are making financial sense on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. Merle Kelch is always joining us. Well, you're joining us live in studio today, but today. this yeah, is going to yeah. be the the last time this month. You got yep, some. Big- I got to take a couple of weeks off, folks. I am proud to say uh, that uh, my stepdaughter is getting married, and so we have now the uh, uh, full two weeks before the wedding uh, people over, showers, dinner, people, presents, all that sort of stuff going on. So uh, so next week we have a bunch of people coming over and a bunch of events happening. So Saturday mornings would be crazy for me. So we're going to do the best of next week. But on the day of the wedding, obviously I won't be here. Our good friend Alan Hogum is going to be here, attorney Alan Hogum, for the state questions. So write down your questions you might have about wills, trusts, estates. See if we can stump them. It's a blast. I love it. So look for the most obscure thing you can find. Because I know Alan's not listening right now. He's golfing someplace. Okay. So look for the most obscure questions you can possibly find about estates, folks. Um, and ask them. Because, uh, uh, you know what, it's cheap on the radio. It's free uh, versus mm-hmm. asking inside of an attorney's office. You know how it goes. Yeah, th- those are not. this is not going to be a billable hour uh, <laughs> right. for him. And uh, that's challenge accepted. I am at yeah, next two about weeks. This, I wonder if he actually sends me a bill for this. I'm just... <laughs> The next uh, next two weeks, I am definitely going to find something. Hey, today it was, what does National Pizza Day do to the to bottom the line of? Yeah. yeah, so you know what? I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna do it. Throw something off. Yeah, I am gonna do great. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll ask him about Tom Brady's retirement paperwork. Well, or, he'll uh, probably know he's a sports nut too. Yeah, so or something that. something along those lines. Uh, you you do have another article yeah, uh, that so, you popped uh, up Jeffrey during the Bartesh break. Jeffrey Bartesh gets uh, two articles today, so he's he's on a roll today. He's doing really well. So. Again, through MarketWatch.com, it says consumer sentiment in the U.S. climbs to a 13-month high, but inflation worries persist. And so in here, and folks, I like to have a lot of fun with the University of Michigan, and the reason for this, and I'm certain that they're great people, and I don't have anything bad to say about them, except my wife is a youper, and so God bless her. I love to pick on Michigan. (laughs) So they sit up there in the wintertime, and they drink a lot because there's nothing else to do. All right, so that's my tongue-in-cheek. Humor, Absolutely. Blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. So anyway, they have, they do a consumer sentiment, and, and it went to a 13-month high, uh, signaling a 66.4, showing that Americans are cautiously optimistic about the U.S. economy and inflation uh, as inflation ebbs, as they say. So if we look at consumer sentiment from a year ago to now, which was over 100, it dropped down into the uh, 50s. Horrible, by the way, showing that the world's falling apart, at least according to the consumer, to the consumer and jumping back up. But one of the things inside of here that – um, you know, we have to look at is that though the consumer sentiment is popping up, um, it is still not, um, uh, we're not out of the woods. So we're seeing this inside of the, the marketplace on a daily basis where people think, well, the, the Federal Reserve is going to do this, the Federal Reserve is going to do that. And looking at, if you read what the Federal Reserve is going to do, they're going to take it to 5%. And so I think the consumer sentiment, people are getting excited. But remember, we're, we're not out of this yet. So 
it feels like it's getting better, and, and I'm not saying it's getting worse at this moment. It is improving, but we're not out of the woods yet, and that's the biggest thing. But the beautiful thing about this is that when a consumer starts saying, hey, this is getting better, they start spending. And America is known as a consumer society, and when the consumers start spending, it tends to start driving numbers, profits, um, and economies up. So, again, I don't know if we're going to have a recession. I think so. But to what degree, we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. But the consumer is opening up the pocketbook, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it, indeed. And, uh, you know, whether that's because wages are going up, whether that's because we are at the tax season where all of a sudden certain sector of uh, people are yeah. maybe getting a few hundred dollars extra into their bank account to do as they please with, as they as I like to call it, clean out the savings account from the government because you overpaid into the uh into the into the pot yeah the the money's the money's there and it's being spent uh don't buy tickets buy something a hard asset would you you know something oh yeah go buy a well nobody buys dvds anymore so no not go buy it go buy a 190 inch tv just take up the whole wall. Yeah, 190. Is, I don't know if uh, that's a real number. I, that, that would be a projector, I believe, and I think that can be done. There you go. Yes. So in here, uh, part of the survey that they have is they're talking about Americans saying where they think inflation is going to be. And the expectation of inflation by Americans on their study is that they think in the next year the average is going to be about 4.2%. In January, respondents said they expected inflation to be at a 4% inflation rate. Again, that would be awesome, but probably not. Mm-hmm. Not yet. So no longer are in the longer run, consumers saw that inflation falling down to four point or 2.9%, um, but it'd still be above the Federal Reserve's target of having 2%, which they're going to do that to keep that down. So um, with it currently, uh, we're still at 6.5%. Um, folks, I tried to pop up the economic calendar on MarketWatch, which I can normally find in an instant any day. Except today. So I can't tell you when the CPI is, but I think it's next week, Thursday. Is the CPI or PPI popping up? Um, So we'll see. So uh, we should have more information in regards to inflation coming up relatively soon on that. So get excited. Have some fun. Go out and enjoy the weather. But don't think we're out of the woods yet. We're not quite there. Not at all. 715-845-2155 is always the number to call. Uh, If you have any questions... Go ahead and uh, call them up. Make them complex, like uh, like our friend in Stevens Point did <laughs> earlier go. this hour. I just uh, want to let you know that my groceries are showing up at my house right now, so I just got a text about that. So oh, there you go. oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, hey, that uh, you, you've get, you're you're gonna have it made then uh, when you get home because uh, obviously uh, you'll be able to just uh, kick back, make those chicken wings, get them ready for tomorrow, and uh, and relax for the rest of the weekend. Well, I'd well, like everybody say- else is running around doing the wedding stuff. Well, you know, I do have to admit, so God bless my wife today. So, you know, she's, uh, you know, taking a bull by the horns and doing all the wedding shower stuff today in Athelbed. And I, doing being the uh, dutiful husband, said, where can I help you? Can I help you with something? Can I do this? Um, and so far it's been, you know, stay out of my way, but you can load the stuff into the car. Okay, got this. So today I said, you want me to go grocery shopping, which means I go to Instant Cart and oh, hit yeah. the buttons that shows up at the house. So I got that done and we're good. Um, and my lovely bride, you know, one of my favorite dishes is a beef burgundy. Oh, yeah. And she's making a beef burgundy on a sandwich, and she's making sure there's some extra for her loving, very thin husband. Mm-hmm. Okay, Absolutely. I'm not really sure where the thin part is, but I think she loves me. Well, you know, 
one 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 way or another. Yes, indeed. 715-845-2155, the number to call. We do have a uh, caller on the line right now. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Good morning. Good morning. Who we have here? Different, Bill. Morning, Bill. Different kind of question. Yeah. Um, as this has all been going along, inflation is blowing up like crazy and so forth, and everybody's driving up the wage, the wages that people are getting, getting paid. What happens when this all turns around, inflation drops back down to a good number, and now people are basically, if you want to say it, being overpaid? What happens to the industry or to, to, to everything when that basically hits? You know, Bill, there's been a lot of conversations happening about this on um, um, uh, CNBC, which I, I have on continually all the time in my world. A lot of conversations going back and forth about that is what happens with wages, because wages are what they call a sticky inflation. Um, so wages, almost like uh, a lot of real estate, when it goes up, it sticks there, it tends to stay. Um, imagine your workforce, if you go through and say, okay, everybody's taking a 15% pay cut. Imagine what would happen. So it usually sticks up there. But what's interesting about this is um, uh, we don't know the answer to that because the wages have run up so fast, so quick over the course of the last two years. Do they stick? Um, or are the people that, if there's a layoff, are the people that are rehired going to be rehired at a lesser wage? So so that's the, the question is, and I don't know if anybody has an answer yet. My opinion is, is I think the wages are going to stick. Um, I think they're going to stay there. Um, certainly in my office, uh, I'm not reducing my wage. And if I said that I was going to, um, I know that they're listening to the station. I would be beat by the time I get in the office that morning. Um, but I think the wages are going to stick. I think they're going to be there. Um, maybe on new hires coming up, if there's a layoff, uh, they're going to have a little bit of a reduction of wage. Uh, but good employees are so difficult to get right now, you want to keep them. And hence is the reason I think those wages are going to stick. Okay. I just wanted an opinion. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, bye. And again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We might have time for one or two more calls uh, coming up on the other side of our This Day segment. Here's Chris Conley on WSAU. WSAU online at WSAU.com as well as where you can also find our making financial sense, uh, occasional nonsense, occasional good stuff, uh, everything in between here at WSAU and WSAU.com. Of course, the podcast will be available later today as well. Give me a few minutes after the show and we'll get that published uh, to the website. Merle, uh, we have a uh, we have a triple whammy today from one of your favorite authors. Is that correct? Um, we, we do. Um, what's interesting is folks go through a pop-up on our article and it pops up to be Jeffrey Bartash again. Mm-hmm. He must have been bored this past week. And just, oh, okay. And is just that, published that everything on Friday morning. Okay. He just published everything out uh, on Friday and Saturday. So this is another article from yesterday. So, so anyway, but, uh, fed government, Fred, blah, blah, blah. words are hard. There we go. Fed governor Waller, um, says banks must be insulated from crypto risk. So, uh, the Federal Reserve Governor Christopher Wall on Friday um, said the regulators must ensure the financial system. So he was speaking, and as part of this, um, he said that banks need to shield themselves from cryptocurrencies just because of the risk. He's saying, I don't care if somebody wants to take on high risk, but banks should secure themselves away from something of that. So in here, he said well, they shouldn't unduly limit the development of cryptocurrencies, uh, but they don't want them to take on risky investments engaging in risky adventures is what he's saying. It makes perfectly good sense to me. So though this article is short, there's one part in here I think is really, really good because I've heard a lot of references to this again. People saying, well, what's the government going to do to help us out with FTX? We lost a lot of money. Well, nothing. 
you took on a unregulated investment that's highly risky. And so he actually says in here, says, you know, um, the, the government's role is to, I'm sorry, Waller also said it is not the government's role to compensate crypto investors for their losses. And he was alluring, of course, to the scandal involving FTX and that cryptocurrency exchange. So mm-hmm. we have to for- remember that, you know, if there's some sort of fraud that goes on, you have insurance with it. Um, if you are inside of a trading platform, such as a brokerage account, a clearing firm, you know, stocks, bonds, funds, that kind of stuff, there's some insurances against fraud. Um, but FTX is a non-regulated industry, so your losses are your losses. Oof, they're gone. Yes, yeah, 715-845-2155, the number to call. We do have time for one more uh, call quickly. Uh, good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Morning. And it appears going once, going twice, it appears we may have lost them. But, of course, they are uh, free to call back as well. Again, 715-845-2155. It's funny you mention uh, FTX uh, because, again, I'm going to throw something at you we didn't talk about before. Fox uh, sold out their Super Bowl inventory last weekend. Some of the spots going as high as $7 million uh, for first-time uh, buyers or not regular buyers from Fox and uh, for spots that were earlier in the game, which is where they are more expensive. Uh, we found out, though, FTX did have a spot lined up in Super Bowl 57 for tomorrow. Uh, that has since been pulled, mm-hmm. you would imagine. There were also six cryptocurrency spots in last year's game, including ones with uh you know, Matt Damon, the fortune favors the bold mm-hmm. line, obviously uh, saying, hey, if you invest in this uh, some new, you could get a big return on investment. Of course, something, as you mentioned, uh, that is unregulated and, you know, your losses are your losses in that sense. Uh, all six of those cryptocurrency spots did not choose to come back from Super Bowl 56 to 57. They probably so. can't afford it. Indeed. Again, 715-845-2155, the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Morning. Who are you speaking to? Hey, Merle. Uh, my name is John. Morning, John. Hey, I got a question for you. Fairly short question, I think. But it's regarded, regarding the ETF. Like, say you're buy, considering buying an ETF. You know, intraday, intraday, so like, you know, it, it can go up and down like a stock. Yep, that's part but of the design. The net, but, the, but the net asset value, when you're looking at the net asset value of the ETF, if that, if the net asset value is below the trading price at the time, does that mean that you're paying a premium? over the net asset value if you buy that day not knowing or, the exact not knowing the exact fund let me tell you the difference between the 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 price you're paying they call it a, a purchase order price or a pop and a net asset value so the difference in there is the price of the expense that the ETF is charging you so in any mutual fund ETF 401k 403b any of those sort of things you pay a daily fee and most people at this time John go what? I never see that, but you pay one. So tongue in cheek, what happens is, let's say the expense of the ETF is 0.4. Okay. I'm making up a number here. So during that day, 
one two hundred and seventieth of that point four expense is going to come off the top, no matter what. Even if you're trading it in a day, you're still going to pay your piece of that. And what's left over is the net asset value. So why one two hundred and seventieth? You take a year and you cut the weekends off, and that becomes the daily rate. So that spread or that difference would be your share of that expense for the day. So it's related just to that and not to the uh, underlying assets that make up the, like nope. you took in, the underlying assets that made up the. No, the net asset ETM. value is as a result of the expense of the fund, not as part okay. of the trading platform. Okay. I like your thinking, sir. though. Yeah, I was just wondering. I I, yeah. I kind of was under the impression that the, uh, you know, that the uh, net asset value was basically if you took, you know, if you took the underlying stocks that made up the that formed the ETF right. that, and you took the, all of that all of their prices at the same time, yeah, and and then the percentages of those stocks. In the ETF. Yep. I, I like your anyway, thinking. Okay. It, it's not accurate with this, but it was interesting is, John, you have a mind for options because those are some of the strategies they look at at using what's called spreads and straddles um, in the option marketplace. And so good luck on that. Look on that. Look that up if you get bored. Again, thank you for the call. We are running out of time here on this Saturday morning. So as always, Merle, if uh, we didn't get to somebody's phone call and they'd like to get a hold of you, how is it that they go about doing well, that? Well, you can stop by and visit us, visit us on 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. Stop in and have a cup of coffee, kick the tires. You can give us a call locally inside of the Wausau area at 715-55. I'm sorry, that's my cell phone number, 715-849-3600. Or toll free outside of the Wausau area at 1-800-355-5100. Merle's going to take some time over the next couple of weeks to memorize his phone numbers. We yeah, all have a best anymore. of next week. So uh, enjoy that. And again, we'll be back again live with Merle Kelch coming up in two weeks here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. News headlines from Fox News Radio are coming up next.